This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall, and we're talking about mental health when involved in gun violence, would you say? Guns and mental illness is kind of the title I gave when I sent out the, the announcement. So, you know, it's a very common um, pattern that I see uh, in those of us in mental health see. So you have a shooting, a mass shooting. Um, the media bombard the public with it, and it is obviously terrifying and alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, people get up in arms about what happened and, and demand something to be done. Um, and then... Uh, at some point, someone will say, well, if we can uh, figure out, you know, one thing I hear is uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. So we've got to figure out how to yeah. uh, not let people with mental illness have the guns and we'll have our problem solved. And when people say guns don't kill people, people kill people, I always want to correct them and say, technically, it's the bullets that kill people. <laughs> that's if you think about it. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, that that's kind of the common scenario. And so then I... I, I see people talk about mental illness and and various people of all levels i mean president and uh, congress and friends and family and and everybody's talking about this mental illness and i realize when i hear people talking about it that the conception of what mental illness is is not really well understood on many people that are talking about it which makes sense i mean people not in the mental health field don't may not really understand what they're saying when they say mental illness um, and so part of what I want to do tonight is just kind of define that because I've, I've had conversations with multiple people, um, you know, friends and family, and, and realized that many people don't really understand what a mental illness, what they're saying when they mean that. If you look at it, just let's just look at it from, from the layman's viewpoint, okay? You have someone who seemingly randomly shoots a mass of people, and the only thing they've done wrong is being, being in a certain location at the wrong time, Right. Right. Most people think something, I'm just going to use some colloquialisms, something's got to be wrong in his head. Seems, seems like Something's a wrong. reasonable thing. For Something's wrong in that guy's head. Yeah, people to think. And I specifically say guy, meaning male, because 99% of mass shooters are male. Right. So it's a common, it, it makes sense. Something is wrong. And I think anybody would agree, yes, something is wrong with that person in that point in time and the right. way that they're thinking. I don't think anybody would argue with that. It's but, certainly they're not in a healthy place where they're right. doing the things that we would expect well-adjusted people to do. Right. Okay. Yep. We can all agree on that. We can all agree on that. Okay. The problem is, is that is not a mental illness. Right. Doing that action does not in and of itself define a mental illness. And we have things that define what a mental illness is. And so many people have done studies and looked back. I mean, the reality is, is we, we can uh, look at the, everybody who's ever done a mass shooting. It's not the volume is not that large compared to, like, say, the volumes of anyone who's ever shot somebody else. Right. Can't follow that volume. It's no. 40,000 deaths a year by a gun. But mass shootings are a much smaller number. And that's another thing I think people may not really think about. The mass shootings get our attention. And they're horrible. I don't want to diminish 
the outcome of a mass shooting and the effect it has on the people involved. Many more lives than just the ones that are killed or, or horribly affected. But the numbers involved relative to someone shoot, dying from a gun death are dramatically different. 40,000 a year die by gun in the U.S. and maybe 300 a year die in a mass shooting. Yeah. It's a huge difference, okay? But if we look at, and so when people think about mental illness and guns, the other thing I, I, when I talk to them is I would ask, you know, so if we were to keep guns out of anybody who had a quote-unquote mental illness that I could define, yeah. me as a psychiatrist, what do you think the effect would be on mass shootings? How many less mass shootings do you think you would have? Uh-huh. And my guess do you have an answer for that? Well, I'm, I've I'm got, afraid I got I'd, some study. I mean, what, just, what do you think? think yeah, well, I won't read the answer because I think I kind of know. I think okay. you and I discussed this. Okay. Well, my guess would be that there wouldn't be a an appreciable or really measurable change because my understanding is when we look at the people who have committed these mass shootings, there's not a, you know, um, designated or diagnosed mental illness involved. Uh, so, for example, if we had said, oh, well, we would have prevented this by having taken away your gun because you have mental illness. No, we would not have because right. they didn't have one. It, right. Yeah. My understanding is, if I remember this correctly, that it's, you know, around that 18, 20 percent or whatever, which is about just the normal, the amount of people. Right. Correct. So, like, it's the same statistic of, like, the people that run red lights or whatever. Right. Like, it so, doesn't mean at yeah. all that people that are committing these are doing it because of their mental illness. Right, right. So what what some of the studies show, um, and here's another thing. We have to define, okay, what is a mass shooting? What oh, right. So when you want to study something, you really have to define. In the science, we try to figure out what exactly are we studying. Right. Is it not four or more? So it depends on what but uh, what criteria you're using. But the criteria you're responding to or you're speaking to, yes, is what the FBI uses. Okay. And what most things online will talk about is, Four or more people dying mm-hmm. in mm. the same location from one or, or more shooters, typically one. Um, Which, ex- of course, if you think about like, oh, okay, well, now what if we start to look at numbers smaller than that? And then we start to look at domestic violence situations where you might have a more complicated mix potentially of, you know. Well, and it specifically factors. excludes, yeah. even if four people did die, yeah. it excludes it if it's a dom- if it's within one household of domestic violence. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Interesting. So this is mm. kind of that, they're, they're studying that random, yeah. like, you know. Uh, Seemingly less, nonsensical violence. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, because I just said that into the microphone, 18 to 20%, I'm not sure that's accurate. Right. So. Okay. So what they, the number is, is varied. Okay. Um, the number of people with a diagnosable diagnosable mental illness is around 20% in the population of mass shootings. So you're going to miss 80% of them, even if you n- took guns out of everybody who's ever had any mental illness diagnosis. Right. Okay. Now, only about 5% of those are actually psychotic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, uh, that was another diagnosis. I mean, another definition of a term. It's like, what is psychosis? That's someone who's, who is hearing voices, um, delusional, paranoid, um, uh, severely mentally ill. Um, and that's about 5% of those. That's shootings. on the surface. You can see it. You can hear it. You right, know. right. So yeah. the other ones are like depression and things mm-hmm. that are much more common. Okay. Now, 5% is higher than the general population for psychosis. Okay. okay. The general population is about 1%. So it is higher. So there's no representation there. There is no representation okay. exactly yeah. in, in that. But if you look at 80% of the people don't have a diagnosable mental illness, 
of mass shooters. And then if you pull back your perspective more, if we, even if we were able to stop that 20% of mass shootings, we're talking about roughly 300 deaths a year. So you're talking about maybe 20% of that, which is what, 60, uh, yeah. 60 deaths a year. We have 40,000 deaths a year by guns. 60, again, I don't want, I'm not diminishing, yeah. okay, mass shootings, but we're really looking at the wrong problem. And most people think, when they think about mental illness, they think about mass shootings. They don't think about, you know, right. domestic violence, gang violence. We don't tend to call that mental illness. The 40,000 number, remind me, does that include suicides? Yes. Deaths by suicide. Okay. Yes, which is a huge percent of the population. Sure, and that's, and that's of the number, and that's larger than uh, it's you like sixty percent of gun deaths. It's are by larger suicide. than homicide numbers. Yeah. That's yes, right. it is. Yeah. I have so many questions, and I'm going to ask them when we come back. Okay. We're talking about something that I feel like is pretty important. We have lots of questions. Mental health and guns. Yeah. Is that what you said? Mental, yeah, he- guns and mental illness is the, the term right, people right, throw around illness. is mental illness. They think yeah. there must be mentally ill to do that. Right. Um, and so. You know, I had someone text in to clarify, did you just say that more people die by suicide than by homicide in gun violence? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I want to clarify something. You know, the whole discussion about mental illness, people use that term as if they're talking about someone other than themselves. Hmm. Okay. We all have a brain, Right. If, if we were to talk about um, pneumonia, okay, would you think that you were immune from pneumonia? Would you think, oh, man, all the people with pneumonia, eh, put them in a room. No. Right? That's right. Okay. Pneumonia is just an infection of the lungs. Okay. A mental illness is just an illness of the brain. Right. Anybody can get it. We've already talked about a mental illness that, well, you and I have. Right. Yeah. ADHD. Yeah. That's a diagnosable mental illness quote-unquote illness goodness so do i fit into the 20 yes. percent nationally yeah sure do well do i get some kind of benefit <laughs> what do i parking space or something what do i so uh. it, it's this it's this weird you know people tend to put others in categories that you yeah. know it's that whole group mentality oh that's not me that's the out group and, so, that and also just people don't understand this makes me think also about um the you know the way in which people misuse the term schizophrenia and and confuse it with multiple personality yes, disorder yes. and this so people don't really know what they're talking about when they use the term loosely mental illness most people don't and, and mm. that's okay I, I i i i understand that they don't yeah. because they haven't studied it sure but hopefully part of this i mean what i want to do is educate so if we can educate all however yeah. many million Americans we have with this podcast, with this radio show. Yeah. How many do y'all reach? How many, uh, how I many millions? I, I would guess it's four million, but I am a megalomaniac, so okay. I may have a mental illness. Okay. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> technically. But, you know, it's funny because, seriously, two and a half minutes ago, if you had said to me, are people with ADHD counted in the one out of every five who have a mental illness, I would have been like, well, no, that's not part of the mental illness number. But you're saying that's even oh, a, for sure. That's mental. So when we hear Definitely. that one out of every five, that includes ADHD. Sure. This goes back yeah. to read yeah. downplaying the fact that I have trouble reading and <laughs> studying and <laughs> no, finishing. Uh, <laughs> depression, OCD, sure. ADHD, um, you know, a lot of the common things people have. So that's why when people say, well, we should just, you know, um, identify all the people with mental illness, you're right. talking about 
20 to 30 percent of the population what's the population of the u.s now uh 300, 300 million, million plus yeah yeah what's 20 to 30 percent of that uh, close to 100 million you're telling me we have a way to i mean you think mm-hmm. how's that going to go mm-hmm. right it's because not. people will write in i have to clarify uh reed and i do have i think different views on on the adhd but i also was surprised by that that i would be even though i've known it, i've been diagnosed that way for it, it's called decades. A mental illness. yeah, yeah. It, a mental illness is anything that psychiatry has put as a diagnosis like in something the, that DSM would be in the dsm-4 okay yeah that's that would illness. be a mental, a mental illness, illness. Okay. anything in there covers a lot of stuff and so here's the thing when the president and severe personality disorders are mental illness right yeah, speaking of the president. So, yeah, what about narcissism? Is when, that covered? If it's severe enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. it is. It yeah. is. In the case that I'm thinking now, about. Now, that's okay. Most people in psychiatry, th- there's two levels. There's axis one, mm-hmm. which are the, what's more uh, of a classic mental illness. Axis two are personality disorders. So, they probably don't include that in the statistics when they talk right. about mental illness. In all fairness, they don't talk about personality disorders. But personality disorders actually. Probably, probably play more of a role in gun violence than any of the Axis One, the 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 more uh, significant quote unquote mental illnesses. So, because one of the common traits of someone who certainly for mass murders, uh, the 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 common trait is a um, a, a subtle paranoid personality, mm. a feeling of of distrust to society and to others. Right. And which which feeds an anger that builds, and then something finally is the last straw. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get fired from a job. Maybe they, uh, you know, the wife leaves them. Uh, maybe you know a number of different things happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something kind of puts them over that last step. But there are many people walking around that have that mix of potential symptoms that don't pull the trigger and sure. shoot a mass of people. So. It's very, it's impossible for psychiatry. I can tell you, I am no better at predicting who is going to be a mass shooter than you are, even though I know a lot more about mental health. Now, I might, I might be better at putting in, putting people in a group, but the numbers, people have to understand the numbers of people who actually follow through are so small Mm -hmm. that you would implicate so many people who aren't going to do that. Right. Just by going looking at diagnosis or personality. Well, now this also gets us back to an important point, which is that as horrifying and troubling and problematic as mass shootings are, they are still uh, sort of an outlier, so to speak, when you look at the overall numbers with gun violence in our country. I would be curious to hear a little bit about your thoughts when we're talking about like, hey, the possibility of removing weapons from people with mental illness like legit mental illness we hear you know there's been a lot in the news recently about uh, red flag laws Mm -hmm. Um, I personally have a you know someone I know who uh, years and years ago uh, was in a I think depressed state and you know and basically uh, some friends of ours uh, said hey we know that person has a firearm and we went and and got it from them without their knowledge and yeah, took it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of us doing a, you know, a sort of like a low key red flag right. law. So would you be in favor of, for example, when uh, you know that someone is struggling with deep depression? Great question. No. Great question. Because you're not a psychiatrist. No. You didn't diagnose that person. No. But you saw something that concerned you about that person. And behavior. we were concerned that that person was a danger to himself. Yeah. Right. You, you saw something that concerned you. Okay? Right. Most people are pretty perceptive and pick up cues when somebody's uh, uh, threatening 
or, or dangerous. Right. Okay. Now, we're not great at predicting future human behavior. Right. Okay. We were, even psychiatrists, we're not really good at predicting who's going to act on that anger and who's not. I had someone text in, is anger a mental illness? And that's a great question <laughs> because anger is a human emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the core of what causes people to act violently is anger and whether or not you can control your anger, what you do with your anger. We all get angry. Who is, I mean, everybody just stop and think for a second. Who has not done something out of anger that they said, man, wish I hadn't done that. Right. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't acted that way. Anger gets to all of us. It is a normal human emotion, and we all act on it. And isn't it funny the way in which uh, anger is universal to all human beings, but also it's almost always regrettable. Like it's a, it's one of those weird things <laughs> yeah. where everybody does it, but every time you do it, you're like, oh, yeah. what was right. I thinking? Right, right. Yeah. So to your question about mm-hmm. the red flag laws, um, it, it would it, it's a great question. The thought is here. Okay, so people don't know what red flag laws are. It goes something like this, and I'm not an expert in the laws, but um, there's been some proposals that, okay, if the uh, if the police mm-hmm. uh, and in some and some other people say even if an individual thinks that someone's uh, demonstrating uh, signs of being a danger, then uh, you report it to the police, and the police can then um, take their weapons right. for a specific period Temporary, of time, yeah. temporarily, mm-hmm. right. until it's sorted out. Okay, you just get it sorted out, and let's see what's going on with this this whole picture. Um, I think of anything that's been proposed, if you were to ask me what is the most likely to actually, what's the most sensitive measure at preventing somebody from acting, that might be it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem is it's probably not going to be very specific. Sensitive and specific, two very important terms in, in science. Sensitivity is which test is more likely to pick up a problem. That's how sensitive it is. No. Okay. Specific is how many times is that test right or wrong? In other words, um, you know, it may falsely identify a million and get one. So you're talking right. about reliability, basically. Yeah. Okay. So no false positives, that kind of thing. Right. right. So it it I think the red flag laws would be the most sensitive at picking it up. It's the best way to pick it up. Someone near that person is more likely going to find that mm-hmm. person than walking them through any bureaucratic process or running them through a psychiatric psychiatrist's office because they're not going to go see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But so someone next to them frequently here, yeah, I was worried, but I said something, no one's listening. That frequently is said about mass murderers, uh, about the mass shootings. Sure. So I, I do think that that's the most sensitive. The question would be, how do you make it a little more specific? And I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, the, and this may be a little controversial, uh, what I'm going to say, but um, the uh, personal, the protective orders, um, personal, sure, PT, yeah, protection TPS. from abuse, PFAs, yeah. those okay. kinds of things, yeah, um, were have been very helpful at at diminishing domestic violence. Yeah. Okay, and it essentially goes like this: if someone feels they're in danger, usually it's the female, um, they can go to a judge and say, I'm concerned for my safety, the judge will instantly order a, a, a protective order. Or a restraining order. Restraining order. Like yeah. And um, then it takes about six weeks or so for that to get adjudicated and come back. But the person essentially is, they, they err on the side of caution. Okay, so that person is taken away from their home or and or separated from the person and you can't talk to them, that kind of thing. Um, the flip side of that, many people don't realize, is that that is 
significantly abused. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. It is necessary. Many women are abused, mm-hmm. and it needs to be used. Okay, yeah. I'm not. I, as you know, I'm a proponent of of protecting people who are getting abused. Yeah. But it is also misused by people, unfortunately, um, through a lot of legal processes mm-hmm. um, during divorce. Many people get the advice from an, an attorney, uh, and not all attorneys. Many great attorneys out there, but some will some will say, "Look, you go file a protective order that will get the that will remove him from the house. You'll be able to more in a position of power. You'll be able to sort through, you know, the finances and that kind of thing." So it's been leveraged to actually do ill will towards people, not just protect people. Okay. And if I can just real quickly say two things, because you know I yeah. used to work in the domestic yeah. Yeah, violence yeah, yeah. field. Um, another part of restraining orders and PFAs uh, that sometimes is overlooked is that, you know, PFA is only a piece of paper. Right. Um, and sometimes, like you said earlier, when someone has serious anger problems and domestic violence, which is yes. not an anger problem, it's yes. a power and control problem, right. um, sometimes a PFA is the final straw that's, yes. that signifies I'm anger. losing. Right. right. Furthermore, my uh, wife had a mentor uh, when she was a younger person, um, and it's a very sad story, where in a domestic violence situation um, where the marriage was dissolving, and um, this person uh, was looking to, you know, anyway, long story short, was advised, stay with your husband until all of this is resolved and the marriage is officially dissolved. And he shot and killed oh, her and himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird it's, fine it line. It is a weird fine um, line. Sometimes if someone says, hey, maybe you ought to get a PFA and get out of there, Sometimes that might be good advice. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It is good yeah. advice mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah, sure. I deplete, yeah. I'm not diminishing the, the use right, of utilization. Right. They definitely should be used. I'm yeah. just saying you, we have to look at the consequences yeah. of these laws we're making. Many people would say that to improve, uh, we should, all right, let me say, yeah. we should not get rid of protective orders. That's not what I'm saying Oh, yeah, no, no, I didn't think that's but, what you were But we saying. can improve them. Yeah. If we were to say that the other person should be able to come in front of the judge within two or three days mm-hmm. and be able to give their side of what's going on, it might diminish some of the false PTOs and make it more what it's supposed to be. So um, yeah. it, it is, uh, it's a misuse system. And my concern is, is that the, if we don't do the red flag laws correctly, it mm-hmm. is also going to be misused. And then if you get someone who's really angry yeah. because someone's threatening to take their guns away and they go act on it, then we're in trouble. So... Quickly, I think the difference in the gun argument versus the PFAs is you being close to a girl that you like is not your constitutional right. I want to get into that when we come back. I I call, here's the thing, for the general public, the way they feel about red flag laws, I think is very genuine and meaningful. I think the way it's used in politics right now is complete BS. And I'll tell you why. Okay, we'll talk talk about that, yeah. But we're talking about mental illness and guns and how they do or do not connect. Okay, so we're talking about red flag laws when we stopped the last segment. Here's why I think, oh man, I hope I can put my thoughts together correctly. It's hard. Because I'm going in complex. Like, as we were talking about that last, uh, you know, in the last time I was like, oh, I got it, I got it. Okay. And now I got to put it all back together. But here's the deal I think that politicians saying, oh, red flag laws. Like, yeah, let's do this, right? Because that will solve it. Because clearly anyone who's going to go and kill a bunch of people in a Walmart has a mental illness, clearly. Even though we know that's only 20% of people that do those types of shootings. But that makes the public, because the public earnestly feels like, yes, oh my gosh, if I can just go tell someone, like, hey, I'm worried about my friend, 
they've got some issues and I think they may hurt hurt somebody. Yeah, yeah. Great, let's get their guns. There's no way it will ever be that easy, first of all, because this, as we know, the whole thing behind the movement against gun regulations is the, you know, this is a constitutional right, right? The Second Amendment, like you're allowed to have your guns, can't take your guns for any reason. The NRA is very open about no regulation, like no, 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 no more background checks, like no, 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 none of this. So for me, it's just a stalling mechanism that politicians use to actually address a real problem. Because think about the backlash. Think about, we talked about like, um, you know, restraining orders. And the reason I do feel that those are different is because, first of all, and we know that they're not perfect, as they are. Right. That's but that's thing. not a constitutional, like a dude stalking you because, you know, you post a picture on Facebook or whatever, getting a restraining order, that's not his constitutional right to come to your house. But it is your constitutional right at this point to keep your firearm. So I, th I think that's why, for me, they're kind of comparing the things, but it's it's just not the same thing. I just I, and and also I need to point out, and I can't believe I didn't do this at the top of this show, that I am a gun owner. I have you know probably more guns than I sh not probably <laughs> I do have more guns than I should. A Good gun luck. I mean, with ADHD, they're all locked Gun up. For every, your a mentally ill person. Yeah, with guns. look at me. I have mental illness. Turns out I found out tonight. <laughs> um, but honestly, and I'll say this very openly, that my views on gun restrictions and gun laws have changed a lot over the years have changed a lot and mass shootings even though they represent a very small percentage of gun deaths in this country they represent a very large amount of stress fear and fear among citizens across the country yeah. And the fact that our children... It's a form of terrorism. Yeah, it, the it, fact that it, our children... It incites fear in the public. That's what terrorism is. Go through drills and have hiding places, and that my children have shown me their hiding places in their school for mass shooters. You know, that's something that weighs on them every day. And yeah. certainly, it probably weighs more on me as a parent than it does on them. Yeah. But, but it just does. But also, you know, there was a situation one time here. Our studio's attached to good people which is awesome and safe, but there was like a pop back there in not like the tap room, but in the brewery a year or so ago. And it scared people and people started running and I was convinced, here we go, and like yeah. locked everything right. and oh my gosh, because that's our mentality now. And there's not a time, and you can say, oh, you're just a weirdo, Will, but whatever, I don't care. There's not a time that I go to a big public thing now and don't think about it. Like, oh, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. Like, if it happened here, where would I go? Yeah, it's definitely become do? part of the American psyche. But yeah. You know, I just wanted to say real quickly, too, because we've, we've said a lot on the show tonight. Like, oh, yeah. hey, remember, uh, mass shootings are a very small number, blah, blah. But it's also worth noting that mass shootings are something that happen here in our country at a far higher rate than they do in the yeah. rest of the developed world, which does raise interesting and legitimate questions about why is that? Why is this a uniquely American problem among the developed world? And, you know, I mean, I've got my own thoughts about that, um, but I think it, it raises interesting questions. Is, there, is it more of a cultural thing, or is it just, you know, a, a product of the fact that we are awash in guns? We ha also have far more guns than every other country in the developed world. Yeah. It, it's a, it is a very complex issue. 
Um, it's got yeah. it's got many variables, and each one needs to be evaluated. And we need to come up with a better plan than we currently have for how humans yeah. um, possess and utilize uh, guns. Um, clearly, you know, a couple just, just some statements, not not necessarily taking uh, a particular direction on this. I don't have the answer, okay, but by by any stretch. But it's just from an observational standpoint, it's just fascinating when you step back and think about this is really a, a new problem in the big scheme of things from mankind. I mean, guns were, you know, were, were, were um, invented, what, about 14, 1500s? They really didn't become very common until the 1700s. Right. And even then, it was, you know, matchlock. I mean, it was three rounds per minute after putting. Yeah, muskets yeah. are different from. Yeah, you know, and that's what, I mean, AR-15s. so we've got to, I think we have to rethink. Obviously, how we how we cross human behavior with weapons because they've changed dramatically. Uh, weapons have human behavior really hadn't. That's the thing. We're we're still we, we've always as humans we've always done horrible things to other people. Honestly, I mean, Speak wars, for yourself. Right I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I mean, as a as a yeah. as a species, we haven't changed. We're not suddenly getting worse. But we have what what's what has changed is the weaponry we have and what we do with it. Right. We got to think about that. Yeah, I mean, look, and I understand when someone says, "But wait, people have guns. Criminals have guns. Like the, all these guns are unregistered. Like I want to be able to protect protect myself because people have guns." Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I do completely, and I'm a person that has guns. Now, I will say also, I've locked all my guns up because I have children, and I know the percentage or the statistics that say my children are more likely to you know accidentally shoot themselves by hunting through the house and finding mm-hmm. a gun than I am to protect right. my family from somebody right. coming in my house. I understand that. Um, but I so, also, let me put this out, I also know that like an assault rifle, which is just a rifle that holds, you know, more bullets technically than the one, the rifle where you load a bullet and, you know, chamber it, that that's fun to shoot. I know. I've shot it many times. That is a fun thing. That's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we should, as just normal citizens, have the right to carry that on the streets. I'm not saying you shouldn't have the right to do to shoot that gun at you know a gun range or somewhere where it is a protected environment. It's an entertaining thing if that's if that's your thing. I just have changed my views on maybe what personal protection means. I don't think you're gonna have to. My grandfather, who has passed away, uh, he would argue with me about this. But you know, I don't think you're gonna need to protect yourself from a hundred people at once. I think maybe back in the day, there was a time when that was a thing. You're mm-hmm. worried about being taken over. I just, I think we're at a different place now. Well, yeah. and when it comes to personal pr- protection, last time I checked, there are still people living in Japan, right? Are there? Yeah. Oh, no. A buddy of mine went over there recently. It was just devoid of people. No, he said it was kicking. There are lots of folks. There are people. So, and here's the thing. They're not allowed to have guns. They still manage somehow to stay alive, even without guns. Um, And I understand, look, eh, I don't know. It's it's difficult. We're we're a very different country, okay, than a lot of the countries we compare ourselves to from developed nations. Sure. I mean, just just from our topography and our – and – a demography, we're yeah. vastly different. We are. We're, that's true. We have, I mean, just we still have a lot more wild animals. I mean, yeah. people, so you have hunters. I mean, there's just a lot of. Diff- we're not the same, okay? But yeah. we have to figure out for us 
what we can do differently to help, again, manage humans owning guns that can be so devastating. We have to figure out how to do that better. I think one thing all reasonable-minded people should be able to agree on is that the United States has a gun violence problem that makes it an outlier in the developed world. There's no way to deny that if you're honest about the numbers. I agree. The way we go about it has to be unique, though, because we're different than many of the countries we compare ourselves to. So we've got to figure out how to navigate that uniquely. But I guess also I would say it might be worth considering some of what seem to be oh, best practices. that should totally be part right. of what we do. We yeah. should totally incorporate some of that, yeah. but maybe we blend it with something a little varied. Yeah. You know, I mean, for example, banning all guns. You mentioned Japan. Banning sure. all guns in the United States is not going to happen. Oh, and I'm not – and just for the record also, I'm not suggesting we do that. Nor am I. Yeah. Um, but good gravy. I mean, there are lots of countries, you know, Switzerland, Canada, where there are plenty of guns and, you know, um, but but not the not the insane amount. And that's yeah. my own word. Well, so you know, I, I think yeah. the, you know, the high capacity, that, that's where I'm getting to is, is I think we should figure out how to help regulate human behavior when it comes to the amount. When I say amount, I don't mean I don't mean number of guns. I mean, the amount of firepower someone can have in their hand. I don't think our brains, yeah. our impulsivity, our anger was meant to have that amount of firepower in its hand for the average person, okay? Yeah. Someone who's been trained, uh, you know, military, maybe, but even some of them sometimes have trouble. Sometimes the military commit mass shooting. Sure. sure. So our brains really weren't meant to have that much firepower because we are an impulsive, angry species, yeah. okay? And then we regret it, you know. But, you know, it's hard to take a bullet back. Have you ever seen, I saw this one time in my neighborhood, I saw someone driving down the road, straight up roll down their window, throw a full bag of fast food trash out of their window. If I'd had a gun, I would have shot that person. I had to, yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, what is that person thinking? Yesterday, there was a car in my neighborhood. It's the first time I think I've seen it. Yeah. That threw a piece of trash out the window. Just w- straight up, like, like what is happening over? here? You know, I had that instinct yeah. of like, I'm going to pick it up and I drive next to them and yeah, you and get throw angry, it back in. Do something. Yeah, it was an older couple. It was sure. the craziest. We, thing. But it's not hard human. to think of times when you're just you like, angry. I am so right. angry. Your point is, right. it, all of us get angry. Yeah, right. And yeah. so we, we we've got to figure out how to navigate this so that we protect ourselves better yeah. as a society with our own anger yep. and not pin it on people who have a mental illness. It's us. It's us sitting here. Everyone has the potential to be angry and act out. Yep. That's the perfect ending because that's kind of how, yeah, that's what you'd said a few weeks ago on the show. So I like it. Good stuff. Dr. Mark Westfall, thank you as hey, always. thanks for letting it roll. For more in-depth reading and statistics on this topic, the listeners referred to a study by the FBI entitled A Study of the Pre-Attack Behaviors of Active Shooters in the U.S. Between 2000 and 2013. Authors James Silver, Andre Simons, and Sarah Cron. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>